0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants.
1: Why Albania? Because well, they have to have something we want. Well, I'm sure they. Do. What do we have that they want? A little freedom. Well, why would they want that? Oppressing? No, 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 no. Fuck freedom. They wanna they wanna destroy our way of life, all right?
2: Well, all right, all right. Uh, let's see. Geopolitically, um, if
1: you We just found out they have the bomb. That's... We just found out they have the bomb. That's good. Yeah. And no, 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 wait a second. Wait, 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 no, wait, a second. wait, 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 no, no, the bomb's not there because uh, uh, they, they'd have to have a rocket and that shit, right? And they're, they're, they they are, are a bunch of wogs. No, 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 cross out. All right, so it's a suitcase bomb. It's, I didn't even know I said that. <laughs> it's a suitcase bomb. You don't need missiles. You can put a bomb in a suitcase, right? Mm-hmm. It's a suitcase bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's A suitcase, suitcase bomb? Mm-hmm. Suitcase bomb? Mm-hmm. Yes? It's a suitcase bomb. Mm-hmm. When it's cooking, it's cooking. We're cooking, and it's in, it's in, it's in Canada,
3: right? Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Polliment. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online.
4: Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's just right.
5: Fade into color, color into black and white, under the clothes, everything will be alright.
3: Yes, the suitcase bomb dreamed up in our opening sequence from the movie Wag the Dog did indeed turn out to be in Canada. Whereas of this day, the world is still looking on in awe as Canadians demonstrate a passion for freedom not seen since their involvement in the last world war. If you've never seen Wag the Dog... Dark comedy though it is, it'll enlighten you immensely in terms of understanding just how easily the tail, namely the media and government propagandists, can wag the dog. The citizens that they're supposed to be serving and protecting. What you're about to hear on our show today, I believe, is a very uniquely focused and exclusive perspective on the Truckers Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, and on the truly sinister nature of the people who are currently in political power in this country of Canada. To that end, we'll be hearing a spotlighted segment of Robert Vaughn's Just Right Conversation with Salim Mansour that was posted to our YouTube and Rumble channels on February 4th. And I'm going to begin with an exclusive observation brought to my attention by someone who attended the Ottawa Rally last week. And I have to say that it was most disturbing and a bit upsetting, and not for any of the reasons you might expect. I'll share it with you right after, encouraging you to write us at feedback at org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Well, the by now infamous Truckers Freedom Convoy that arrived in Ottawa on January 29th and continues to this day, was attended for four days by a lady I know named Tecla Ross, whose permission I have received to publicly share both her name and her message about something she witnessed at one of the Ottawa rally speeches. Tecla happens to be the Freedom Party of Ontario's representative and upcoming candidate in the Ontario riding of Haldeman Norfolk in the June 2nd Ontario election. And on Tuesday, February the 1st, she wrote me the following email, and I quote, Dear Robert, I am heading home from attending the protest in Ottawa this weekend. I took as many photos as I could, but I have to say that they are very similar to what many others have already posted. Through all the speeches and cheers and noise, I finally realized that there was a hidden, unspoken reason why many, perhaps most, people are there. Yesterday, Dr. Brian Bridle spoke to the dwindling crowd. He spoke eloquently about the dangers of the vaccines, and then he asked the crowd, raise your hand if you know of a personal acquaintance who has suffered a serious reaction, not just aches or other minor problems, but serious reactions or death. A hush fell over the crowd. People quietly raised their hands. I looked this way and that, and was shocked to see how many hands were raised. The man beside me raised his hand, struggling to hold back tears, and I along with him. There was a silent moment of grieving. Freedom from tyranny is important, but many are here because while we can't explain it, we know that our families, our children, our lives are in real danger. Rachel is crying. Who will console her? We are trying to save the children. The government has become the enemy. Tecla. Quote. Now I have to confess that after reading Tecla's account, I sat there in front of my computer, kind of frozen. Consider the implications. And you know, I myself am among those who would have raised his hand at that Ottawa event had I been there. This is the real elephant in the room when it comes to the COVID narrative. It is, as Tekla described it, the hidden, unspoken reason that many have kept to themselves about the tragedies which lay beneath the entire current crisis. But bringing those tragedies into the limelight is not our mission today, because those consequences, whatever they are, are in the end a consequence of the political machinations of our politicians. Our mission on today's show is to impress upon you not any of the dangers of the injections, not even about the evils of the lockdown per se, nor about the science, nor about the irrational news media, all of which will still be mentioned, of course, but mostly about the truly sinister and evil nature of the elites who believe they have a right to rule without any accountability to those they're ruling. If you've been wondering about why the likes of Justin Trudeau make such outrageous, irrational, disconnected from reality and reason statements, well, by the end of today's broadcast, I think you'll come to understand something about the Prime Minister of Canada and others like him that transcends all of the other issues combined, because that's the source of the problem. As we go to air, there are rumors circulating about a possible police action to be taken against the convoy. And with events changing day by day and hour by hour, I've made every effort to confine our show to those fundamentals that will remain the same. And that is the nature of our politicians and our political system. If nothing else, the lockdowns and forced vaccine mandates have exposed the reality that politically... Canada is no longer a free nation even though socially and culturally the majority of Canadians do consider themselves to be free citizens. And that reality is an integral part of the conversation that we'll be hearing next. Take it away, Robert.
4: We are joined by Salim Mansour, Professor Emeritus at Western University to discuss the momentous historic truckers rally at Parliament Hill in Ottawa. I'd like to Find out what your impression of this whole rally has been, Salim, and what it might say about Canada and where we're going. What are your thoughts?
6: Well, Robert, uh, Trucker Convoy Freedom 2022, and with support of the people from right across the country, a pan-Canadian movement is an epic event in our history. There is no precedent of this sort and how... The government is one that has escalated into demonstrating how authoritarian, if not fascistic, his government is. I mean, the projection that the truckers, as the prime minister said, and as some of the premiers have said, and the opposition leader has said, that these are basically a bunch of racists. Uh, homophobic, islamophobic, and so on and so forth, who have come down, they do not represent the Canadian people, then who represents the Canadian people? This is not some fringe movement. Justin Trudeau tried to describe it right at the outset, that this is a fringe movement and is not representative of the Canadian people. And here, if this is a fringe movement, then it is quite an awesome fringe movement that we are seeing in demonstration. (laughs) So, Canada is pretty much... A broken country, broken politically, broken economically, broken in terms of moral, spiritual. Uh, and, and there is a complete absence of political leadership in Ottawa or in the provinces to take and pay heed to with the due respect that it demands, especially in a democracy like ours. We have seen now, in the past week and more, a movement of people from across the country peacefully gathering in Ottawa. And we can compare that gathering in Ottawa with the sort of demonstration we saw in the United States during the summer of 2020. Burning, looting, you know, attacking people, casualties among both the law enforcement agencies and the citizens. None of that even though, ironically, it was the prime minister and his scabs who tried to promote the image that this is a fringe racist movement waving confederate flags and swastika. So the the cracks that have been exposed, I think, is going to take a long time to heal if it can be healed, because there is absolutely no leadership in Ottawa, none in the ranks of any of the party that is represented there. In fact, for the last two years, the parliament has been empty. We have been having a Zoom parliament, a virtual parliament, you know, it's not been there. And then when the truckers arrived in Ottawa, the prime minister basically fled on the excuse that he had been afflicted by COVID-19 and that he has gone to isolation. And then from wherever he's hiding, he was tweeting those terrible foul words about our Canadian brothers and sisters. I think a lot of people have seen that tweet. Let me read the tweet over here, Justin Trudeau. Today in the House, members of Parliament unanimously condemn the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-Black racism, homophobia and transphobia that we have seen on display in ottawa over the past number of days together let's keep working to make canada more inclusive this man is so tone deaf he's talking about working together to make canada more inclusive while canadians arrive in ottawa to express their frustration with the government the parliament and what they have been enduring for the past hundred weeks and more, just two years, and calling them names and transphobic, anti Semitic, Islamophobic, anti Black. This is about COVID 19. This was about lockdown. This was about, you know, ending the lockdowns, removing the mandate, and getting back as quickly as we can to being normal once again. And then you have the leader of the new Democratic Party, Jagmeet Singh, the party that is basically holding up this minority government, holding the balance of power in the parliament. And what does he say? He he accuses the Conservative Party MPs and says, Conservative Party MPs have endorsed a convoy led by those that claim the superiority of the white bloodline and it equate islam to a disease where does he get this from canada is 75 percent or more white caucasian people i'm speaking to you a white caucasian person and i am a canadian a brown muslim and 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 he this man jagmeet singh with a broad brush is painting the vast majority of canadian people as people who claim superiority upon the basis of white bloodline and are anti-muslim islamophobic now this is the party of the working class supposedly this is the party that came into being to demand and support and help the working peoples of canada so who are the people who came together to Ottawa, led by truckers, that are the working class people. And this man no longer seems to care about them or represent them or go and stand with them, but engages in vilification. That's what I mean by what our brothers and sisters the truckers and the convoy have done is really lifted the veil or curtain that hid the fissures and the cracks in the Canadian body politics. And now it is all open and exposed.
2: So guys, this is some awesome momentum. And people are terrified that this is going to lead to a globalist takeover, right? They, they, they asked me, well, seriously, though, don't you think they're luring these truckers into a bad position and they're going to use it to justify clamping down harder, or bringing in the army or something? Look, they were going to do that anyway. I want to play you this little bit from Corporal Daniel Bulford, who was Trudeau's head of security and RCMP, who who has resigned because he just can't stand to watch what's happening to our rights in this country. He can't stand to watch it happening to his own family or to the strangers. He specifically says, you know, I have stood by and watched as we have arrested people for really no reason, as we've seized children. And and he's disgusted. He He's ashamed of himself for having waited so long. So, I'll play a clip from him. Listen.
7: If we dig deep in our history and doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful people, not from people who feared to write, speak, associate and defend causes that were for the moment unpopular. That's Edward R. Moreau. I feel that we have detracted so far from the values and culture that form the core identity of what it means to be a Canadian that belief in ourselves that we are a humble, welcoming, fair, and compassionate people. When I reflect on these past months, I even recognize that same failure in myself. We are divided, with both sides angry and fearful of each other, and how much worse this will get. Our language has been used to divide Canada into an us-versus-them mindset, the responsible versus the irresponsible, the anti-vaxxers versus the sheep. We cannot continue to allow this decline toward a further divided, increasingly authoritarian state. We need to communicate honestly and courageously to make our perspective heard so that others may be given the opportunity to understand. If others have not sought out both sides of the argument, it's no wonder they think and believe what they do. It is time to be strong in mind and body and in character. It will require sacrifice and preparation. The sacrifice will be of the comfort and the security that can be found in remaining silent. It's difficult to have discussions with people who disagree on such a contentious issue, but that's a good place to start. Courage takes practice. If you're actively exercising peaceful noncompliance, go with a group if possible. There is strength in numbers. It will be hard and awkward and very uncomfortable at times. However, if we continue to allow this unchecked by our silence and compliance, then the failure to effect change is on our shoulders. We can live up to the anthem, the true north, strong and free. I have drawn my line in the sand. No more silence and compliance for me. Life will not be the normal of before relationships, and careers will be sacrificed. But we will learn who we can rely on.
0: Here's the Ottawa police chief talking about um, how awful everything you just saw is and how dangerous and violent and scary. Here we go.
8: We have increased ability to identify and target protesters and supporters of protesters who are funding and enabling unlawful and harmful activity by the protesters themselves. Investigative evidence gathering teams are collecting financial, digital, vehicle registration, driver identification, insurance status, and other related evidence that will be used in prosecutions. Every unlawful act, including traffic and insurance violations, will be fully pursued regardless of the origin at any time in the future. The primary focus of each of these measures will be on the unlawful behavior connected to the ongoing demonstrations. This includes parallel and counter demonstrations. We strongly urge all demonstrators and those engaging with the demonstrators to act lawfully, peacefully and respectfully. The hatred, the violence, the illegal acts that Ottawa residences and businesses have endured over the last week is unacceptable in any circumstance.
0: What hatred? What vile act? Honestly, like the, creating a narrative out of thin air. What is he talking about?
8: The Ottawa Police Service and the City of Ottawa are bringing significantly greater resources to restore order, hold offenders to account, and protect our neighbourhoods. The current demonstration in the Parliamentary Precinct Red Zone remains unresolved despite significant successes in reducing the number of trucks and demonstrators while preventing riots, injuries, or deaths.
0: We'll leave it there, but I, I think that you get the picture of the point I was trying to make. Um, the dance party is not nearly what he's trying to make it out to be, right? Uh, And the only people who should be ending this protest, and the Ottawa police say uh, that their goal is to end the protest. Perhaps he didn't say that yet, but he does say that. Um, And that's not their job. Their job is to facilitate people's right to peacefully protest and allow um, Justin Trudeau to face the music when he's, uh, I suppose, feels like there's enough pressure. And I do it, I don't know that I don't know that he's feeling the pressure yet.
4: Just going to say, Salim, that um, regarding those, the, the exposition of the lies and the cracks and the fissures, I would call it chasms and canyons. Viva Fry, David Fryheit, was in Ottawa to try to get an accurate position on what has happened there, regardless of what the mainstream or mainstream press, paid for by the Liberal government, have been telling Canadians. So he went, for example, to the war memorial. It's pristine. There's no graffiti. There was nobody there, even though there were thousands of protesters. He went around the uh, memorial to see the color of the snow because the mainstream press said that people were urinating on the monument. No, they weren't. No evidence. And it hadn't snowed since that came out, so there's that. He went to see if there was garbage on the street, and what he found were garbage bags put up with garbage in them to collect garbage. He saw people picking up garbage, what little there was. He saw people clearing the snow so that people didn't slip. He saw people, an Aboriginal group, setting up their part of the rally, So there's your racist narrative right there. It doesn't exist. He interviewed black people. He interviewed truckers. He interviewed uh, a doctor who confirmed everything that we've been saying about this whole situation. And there is not just a rift, a small chink in the difference between the mainstream media and government and the people. There is a wide divide and it's become so blatant that anybody with a camera, anybody with a cell phone can now go out there and just reveal what a bunch of lying, deceitful, far-left extremists are the journalists in Canada, at least those part of the mainstream media. And this, to me, is fantastic. I'm loving it. That when uh, Rosie Barton says one thing, (laughs) that it's created by Russians, for example, a guest on CBC said that. (laughs) Russian collusion, here we go again. And you go out there and you see Keen Bexty of The Counter Signal, Andrew Lawton of True North, go out to a press conference to which the lying mainstream press were denied access to meet with the organizers Benjamin Dichter and Tamara Lich, the original organizers, because this quickly got out of hand and That was the original convoy, and now you had about seven other convoys all coming to Ottawa. There's about a 40 to 50 person core group of people trying to organize this rally. But Benjamin Dichter and um, Tamara Lich gave a press conference where they basically destroyed the main mainstream media narrative, destroyed the narrative of Jagmeet Singh and Aaron O'Toole, because he's part of it or was part of it, he's gone now, and destroyed the narrative of the far-left extremist, racist, Justin Trudeau. And I have to use these terms, these these adjectives to describe these people, because they're using it on us. It's time for turnabout. They are the racists. they're the extremists, they're the Marxists, they're the globalists, they're the destroyers. They hate life, and it's showing. And we're, as citizen reporters, showing it. So this has been a great event. And while Trudeau seems to be doubling down, as a matter of fact, the Minister of Transport has come out in the last couple of days and said, not only are we going to maintain the VAX passport for truckers crossing the border, but we're going to implement it crossing provincial borders as well. We're just now looking into the legality of doing that. So they're doubling down, just like tyrants do. And um, this is a great momentous event. So where do you think? What do you think will happen in the next few weeks? We've seen Aaron O'Toole being tossed by the Conservative Party, the far-left extreme socialist Conservative
6: Party. What do you think is going to happen next, Celine? There are stories where there were words that I read, or reports that I read, that in an internal discussion in Ottawa, the prime minister was indicating that he would be willing to send in the military to remove the truckers from the Alberta-Montana border. But he was, in a sense, uh, voted down. But if that report has any credibility, then you can see that both the Prime Minister and uh, the Premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, have been playing the idea of trying to use physical force to push the truckers out and open it up. Uh, or this could also happen in Ottawa. It also goes to show, I mean, what this has surfaced uh, around the world, that this government and this particular prime minister cannot be taken seriously by anyone. He has failed to show any leadership. This was the moment this past week for him, instead of running away, this was a moment for him to take a walk, go down Wellington Street, mingle with the crowd at the Centennial Fire, basically listen to what the people have to say from across the country, from all the 10 provinces, so to speak, you know. And he didn't have to say too much. He could have said that I've come to listen to you and I want to understand you and your grievances. And I will try to do my best with my colleague in addressing them. That's all. It would have been a way to diffuse the anger to change the direction, to show the empathy and respect to the people, and then gone back and tried to deal with this issue in a manner that have won him at least the optics, not only in Canada, but around the world, of a leader who is not afraid in in engaging with the people. But he ran. And in doing so, It is not only to the Canadian people he exposed himself. The world watching a Canadian prime minister, a G7 country, and the manner in which leader of this G7 country conducted himself and has behaved has basically taken away any respect, whatever little there was. Canada is totally
4: exposed. Yeah, as far as the leadership goes, you're absolutely right that, especially with the official opposition, who over the last two years has been in lockstep in every degree that matters with the Liberal government and the far-left extremist racist Justin Trudeau. So when you support far-left extremism, you are a far-left extremist. And so this is what we have left in Canada. We have a Liberal Party polling at 31% or 32%. The Conservatives, so-called, polling at 31%, slightly less. And the um, New Democratic Extreme Marxist Party polling at about 19%. You're left with the impression, and it's a fairly accurate impression, that Canada as a nation is an extreme far-left polity. It is an extreme far-left culture. It is a socialist nation where the majority of people are socialist and we are getting the government that the people want, whether it's conservatives in power or the liberals or even the NDP, if they ever, God forbid, came to power. We're getting the government we deserved. And why? We're getting it because the school system has been usurped by Marxists. The mainstream media drives the culture, drives the polling. So the media... And the pollsters are what the leaders,
9: so-called, look to, to see how they should act. Hi, guys. This is uh, Gad This uh, conversation came up in a very impromptu manner, given uh, the events that are unfolding before our eyes. Today, I have B.J. Dichter, who is a spokesperson and an organizer for the Freedom Convoy, tell us first what is the freedom convoy about what are, what are the demands just so that people can wade between the nonsense that's being spewed about the freedom convoy and the reality take take it away
5: um, the short version is we're looking for two things which are end the mandates the vaccine mandates and uh, remove the passport for or the vaccine passport or as I call it the Stasi passport for trying to re-enter Canada that's the simple uh, that's a simple request. That's all we want to do.
9: Okay, so all the other stuff we want uh, we won't leave until Trudeau resigns and all the other stuff that we're reading, that's not part of the official you know, demands that the Freedom Convoy is seeking to, to, to establish.
5: No, uh, it's not surprising. There are quite a few enthusiastic people uh, involved in the convoy who tend to uh, lash out and talk more about, you know, from the heart and their emotion. But from a pragmatic and strategic uh, perspective, no, we're looking to remove the mandates and remove the – it's called the ArriveCan app. And I told a story – I'll tell it just briefly here uh, on Glenn Beck because I'm sure you have some insight into this. The very first time I used it was last week, and I drove up to the border, and I pulled my phone out to give to the border agent along with all my paperwork and my passport and whatever – And he says, oh no, I don't need to see your COVID passport. And I said, what do you mean you don't need to see it? He said, oh, we can detect your phone, that it's when a certain proximity of the booth, so we know who you are, and all your information data comes up on the screen and it's correlated with that passport. Wow, Ah. go ahead. And I just, you know, it occurred to me at that point, like, well, if they're just doing that on the border, uh, how difficult is it going to be to expand that to urban centers across the country without us even knowing and that's what China has and you know It was, was interesting like th- this is my regular phone I would never put that spyware spyware in my regular phones so I have a separate phone just for the passport and an email address I never use nothing traceable separate account so it doesn't even have a sim card in it Yet it's still connected to the booth because I was logged into the Wi-Fi in my truck so even with just the Wi-Fi, not connected to the cellular network, it still detected me.
9: Wow, it's crazy. That that is a bit creepy. As as you know, uh, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read my last book, the, the Parasitic Mind. I discuss all of the idea pathogens that result in the outcome called Justin Trudeau because Justin Trudeau is a walking manifestation of each and every one of the idea pathogens that I cover in my book. And I don't think it's because he is innately diabolical because he's a product of the educational milieu that he grew up in. And so if you are parasitized by all of these dreadful ideas, then you implement policies that are in accordance with those ideologies. So which of the various idea pathogens, which you may not remember what they are, so let me just mention them, postmodernism, militant feminism, cultural relativism, social constructivism, all of these idea pathogens result in downstream effects in public policy. Which of these dreadful ideas do you think is driving the lunacy and the authoritarianism associated with the COVID mandates?
5: Uh, I would suggest all of them. (laughs) Okay. the what's interesting before I answer that question is, you know, we some of us know a lot of these people in office. You know, we have some connections in the parties and stuff. And one of the things a journalist who I know who covers politics across Canada said to me over the phone, he's been you know, he talks to liberals, he's not does not adversarial towards them. He said to me, you know, uh, I can tell you, because I've had conversations with people in the party, if it were up to Justin he would be right now causing a disturbance and trying to escalate this. He wants that. That's what he's looking for. And that's why they told him, Justin, go away. We'll take care of this. We're just going to sit it out. So he's quite—he's far more aggressive than people realize. At least that's what I'm being told. And that—that that is not unusual from what I've been told in the past. So of the idea of pathogens, I think the whole philosophical worldview of postmodernism and cultural relativism are two things that he doesn't even understand. That's what he is. And that's really scary. Okay, and I have a a good friend who was very much part of the Liberal Party for many years. And he, uh, you know, uh, shortly after Justin got elected, he realized he was sold a bag of goods. And I make fun of him every single day that I see him for him and say thank you for this. So I think it's a combination of uh, multiple things. There are people within uh, political parties, the Liberal Party. They'll just go along to get along because they want opportunity, political opportunity or a future in uh, in politics. And they tend to be the younger ones. But then you have the – Justin Trudeau is kind of an airhead. He doesn't uh, – this is from uh, a very senior official within the um, – the Liberal Party who explained this to us, he has no involvement. I've been trying to tell this people, people this forever. He has no idea. You know, he has no idea what uh, he doesn't watch the news. He's kept completely isolated. He doesn't make policy decisions. He had no interest in politics. So what they've done if they decided he's going to be and he let it slip one time, the relationships manager. So he's the actor. They want to go say something, they say, Justin, talk about A, B, and C, and he goes, goes and does it. That's why it seems so incongruent. He'll talk about things in a time that just make no sense and anger people because he has no idea. Now, the team around him, his best friend, Jerry Butts, he essentially runs everything with Katie Telford, Omar Algebra, Navdeep Bains. They are the ones who is no longer there, and Eric Hoskins is now the, the, uh, the new replacement. So he is just a mascot. We're dealing with a team of authoritarians who are not only authoritarian but opportunist. I would argue that Jerry Butts is an extremist, which is why Trudeau comes off as an extremist. He just tells him, "Go here, do that, say this. I got your brother. I got your back, brother, because we're best friends." But right?
9: extremists along which ideology? What's the purpose of whatever it is that they're trying to institute on the Canadian public? What What is the ultimate goal? What
5: Oh, co- collectivist ideology, okay. right? And and that does align with the goals of, you know, Klaus Schwab, which I jokingly say, well, we for the third time, we have a, a left-wing German who's going to save the world. What could go wrong, right? Um, and, uh, you know, our, our finance minister is on the board of the World Economic Forum, right. as is Andrew Scheer, the former leader of the Conservative right. Party, as is Michelle Rempel, an MP who I used to be good friends with. Yeah, she's
9: been on on my show. Yes.
5: Yeah, and then she went to Davos, and then she came back and started apologizing for being a
9: cisgendered white female. I did see that. That did surprise me, yes. She's crazy. Uh, So,
5: you know, much like Mao, or sorry, Lenin took over by propping up the degenerates, and then Mao took over by propping up the degenerates, we live in a society where these people globally are trying to institute policy, so it seems, to prop up the degenerates and cause conflict. And you know, politicians will go where the donations money for their campaigns are. That's how it works. That's how they buy the influence. It's not like in the movies, there's a bag of money. But that's not how it works. It's donations to campaigns and opportunities to sit on boards of companies. That's what they're getting.
9: I was one of the early guys who repeatedly warned the world about Justin Trudeau before he became prime minister and i famously went on several high profile shows i'm well aware about some of the psychological reasons that drove people to vote for an empty vessel a vacuous <laughs> piece of g- pile of garbage in arabic there's an expression that says "belatame." balatame means someone who has no substance no taste no right they're, they're so vacuous they're such an empty sack of platitudes that they you couldn't taste them right it's a really powerful <laughs> Arabic is a very powerful language and so yeah. bala refers to Justin Trudeau what do you think explains the fact that Canadians weren't hoodwinked once weren't hoodwinked twice but were hoodwinked three times. Now I understand it was a minority of Canadians, that's our parliamentary system, but nonetheless, three times, this utter empty suit has been able to sit as Prime Minister of Canada. Is it something endemically wrong with Canadians that we keep making the same mistake? And when I say we, I don't mean you or or me, I mean Canadians collectively.
5: Um, No, it's because there's no opposition. So you have you have your main parties, for, for those people who are not in Canada, You're the NDP, the Liberal Party, and the um, and the Conservative Party. It's really the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party are the only ones that have a chance to ever get an election. The NDP is there as a tool for the other parties yeah. to swing votes in, uh, in other directions. But what's happened is the Conservative Party, my party, who I would never vote for right now, by the way, and didn't vote for in the last election and the election before that, they have been doing their very best to chase communist Justin off a cliff. And I remember having a strategy meeting with them many years ago, uh, oh, many years, several years ago, and I said to them, "Like if you want to go this direction and you want to be more, as I worded it, libertarian on social issues, right, I'm with you. But don't chase them off a cliff. That's exactly what they've done. The reason they've done that, is because the same lobby firm that controls the Liberal Party also controls the Conservative Party now. So look at it this way. This particular firm, this is one of them, but there's, there's only a small number of them. This particular firm I'm thinking of, it was co-founded by two people, uh, four people, two are Conservatives, and the other two are Katie Telford and um, uh, Rob Silver. Katie Telford is Justin Trudeau's chief of staff. So her lobby firm is controlling the Conservative Party in terms of, you know, not authoritarian control, but policy directives and think tanks and university studies and all this nonsense that you see in universities, you know, when the the urban planning department comes with a study for a think tank that says 99 point, sorry, 109% of Canadians want bicycle lanes in the middle of rural alberta no we have the data we can show the polling right well that makes its way up the chain to these lobby firms who then help turn that into public policy and nobody in this mechanism has the wisdom the moral will and the moral skill to say wait that doesn't sound right all right and that's the, so they're all vacuous Aaron O'Toole is just a bald, ugly version of Justin Trudeau. Right. Much like we like to joke that uh, Justin Trudeau's an airhead, Aaron O'Toole is known in the legal community as an airhead. That's why he never made it uh, in the legal community. That's why he went into politics.
3: You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Even though
4: Scott Moe and Jason Kenney are planning to talk about reducing mandates, here I'm in New Brunswick. Premier Blaine Higgs on July 31st came out and said, No more restrictions. Take off the masks. We have to live with COVID. What happened five weeks later? He got back and and, and implemented some of the most dramatic and draconian and tyrannical impositions under the people of New Brunswick than any other province except perhaps Quebec. You had to register to get into the province as a Canadian. You had to quarantine for two weeks as a Canadian. Everybody's being tested and uh, everybody still has to wear a mask, even out on the streets. So take with a grain of salt. When Scott Moe says we're going to reduce the restrictions, the convoy goes home. The CBC comes out and says Scott Moe is killing people. And so he just might change his tune four or five weeks from now and get back right on board with everything that the far left extremist racist Justin Trudeau is
6: telling them to do? Well, these are the same cast of character. I mean, we are, it is the same pack, shuffled deck of cards and expecting a different result. And the whole cast of other politicians across Canada in, in terms of the mainstream political party, none of them have demonstrated over this past two years any desire or ability or sensitivity to listen to the people. So much has happened. So much has happened in terms of wrecking of the economy. Middle class has been beaten down in a manner that we have no experience. Families have been broken up. Children have been deprived of the school. We don't know what the effects are going to be in the long term that all of this has brought upon them at such a young age you know we know from our own experience watching our children grow up how they have been deprived in terms of not only their education but in terms of the relationship that is so important in building up the character of a people you know the formation of a people and so on and so forth and none of them have shown that so Apart from Maxim Bernier, we have no leaders talking about it. What we have, leaders projecting their own inclinations and their own attitudes upon the people in what was and is supposed to be a democracy. What has happened over this last two years, and this convoy movement has brought it to the surface in a manner that is now undeniable, that The ideas that we have held for so long with such conviction that Canada is a free country, that a constitution provides for the defense and protection of the freedom of Canadian, is basically a hoax. There is no freedom in Canada. What we have is a rule by an elite that imposes upon Canada their whims, their caprice, and their direction. But when the time came, when the people rose up and said, you know, what about our rights and freedom that we were told to take as granted? You know, this is the 40th anniversary of the Charter of Rights and Freedom. We find that it is non-existent. And then when we read the documents and the people need to be educated upon this, you find that these are all conditional based upon whatever the political leaders want, whether it is Section 33, whether it is the very opening Section 1 of the Charter, the limitation clause.
4: Yeah, just to let people know Section 33 is the notwithstanding clause.
6: Yes, that's right. But Section 1 is the opening
4: clause. That is the thing, that you have these rights until we we tell you you do not.
6: The former Premier of Newfoundland... Brian Peckper, he has now launched a case on the question of mobility rights that has been violated in, in the Charter. Well, good for him. But where were the politicians, sitting members, current politician, current crop of politicians, both in Ottawa, in the Parliament, and right across the country in the provincial legislatures, who would have stood up and said, All of this thing that is being pushed through by the governments, provincial governments and the federal government, is in violation of the fundamental rights of of the people of Canada. Nobody stood up. Nobody talked about it. Nobody questioned it. So we now confront the issue. What is it that we have been living with? For all these many years, it is only in a crisis that these issues come forth, you know. So what we have been living through is the formula of peace, order, and good government that is embedded in our BNA Act 1967. Well, peace, order, and good government, which is what Justin Trudeau will say, and which is what Doug Ford will say, and Jason Kenney will say, that is what they are doing, you know, in confronting this COVID pandemic and so suspending just about everything that we basically have taken for granted because nobody questioned it. And, you know, we understood that we are a free people. But they come along and they said, no, you cannot go out for you cannot gather for Christmas, you cannot go to school, you cannot go to libraries, you know, and so on and so forth. And they pushed band through all under that rubric of peace, order, and good government. But Peace, order, and good government is a formula that can very well be practiced in Fidel Castro's Cuba, in Madura's Venezuela, in Kim Jong-un's North Korea, and so on and so forth. Any one of these petty dictators or totalitarian leaders all the way up to, you know, Stalin and Mao and others say, you know, what we are doing, we are doing for the people in terms of peace, order, and good government. That's an authoritarian formula. It is not about, as in the American Constitution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and and, and therefore the Bill of Rights, that cannot be touched by anybody, that those are something inherent in the people, endowed by the Creator, and cannot be touched by anyone. But in Canada, now we are exposed. There was a letter by the RCMP officer earlier in January that went public, in which he was put on absence uh, leave because he refused to go with the vaccine mandate. And in that letter, he talked about a number of things, but one of the things that he pointed out was that in the last census in Canada that the federal government did and the forms that they printed. Uh, he brought this out, we all saw it, he pointed out that when he was filling out the form in terms of person, sex, male, female, there was another box, that there is supposed to be a third gender, a fourth gender. It defies anything in terms of biological science. And this is what the federal government is pushing. This is the progressivist push in terms of a progressive revolution to change the very fundamental reality of who we are, not only as a people, but what we believe in, how we have lived our lives, and so on and so forth. Right from you know, the question of our biology, that we are not simply male and female, but we may be other agendas that have been cooked up to the whole agenda, the globalist agenda of World Economic Forum, that this COVID-19 mandate that was imposed and an economy and a country shut down was to turn the country into compliance with that globalist agenda. And again, apart from the PPC, no other political party and political leader was speaking about it.
4: We are living in interesting times. I believe that's a Chinese curse, isn't it? So we're living a Chinese curse for real. Thank you, Saleem. Great discussion. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Here's Justin Trudeau responding to um, Ottawa. This is, honestly, Justin Trudeau um, talks to the, about the trucker protests. Justin Trudeau expresses support for the nation's capital. Ottawa, we're with you. He says, "You know, we'll support you in climate in this climate change fight." Really, really. This, this is where Justin Trudeau. It looks like he just got out of the shower and didn't bother to dry his hair. Uh, he seems confused and kind of uh, pre preoccupied with something else. And he, instead of addressing the trucker's massive dance party that's out in front of uh, Justin Trudeau's proverbial government house um he's like no don't don't worry about climate change man we got your back we're totally gonna we're gonna solve climate change just like we solved canadian unity and racism (laughs) here we go you've been through a lot in these past days Uh, we're gonna have your backs we're gonna keep having your backs i know this is a really difficult situation for you uh, but we're gonna stay strong and focused on you both supporting you and on making sure you get through uh the larger crisis that we're in uh, of climate change and of pandemic at the same time as we support you through this uh, difficult moment for all. What? (laughs) What? You know, uh, I did see the footage of the truckers dancing and climate change is something that we will support you guys on, don't worry. We've got your backs for climate change, everyone. Uh, Justin? What?
9: I'm going to say something else that it might sound as though I'm being facetious, but I'm not. Most people say liberal sounds right. I'm a liberal person. Conservative sounds old school. I don't like homophobia. Conservatives are all racist homophobics. It's at that level of thinking that most people operate. So is there a way for us to convince people that the decisions that you make when you go to the ballot box, have to be taken more seriously because otherwise tomorrow there'll be another Justin Trudeau that comes along, just like there was Joe Biden, just like there was Kamala Harris, just like there was Barack Obama. Remember, Barack Obama, to all of my super progressive smart colleagues, he is fantastic because he is tall, he is thin, he's lanky, he has a mellifluous voice, he speaks with the cadence of a Southern Baptist minister. Every single syllable he utters is a platitude sack of sh but my god is he intoxicating and alluring on the other hand donald trump with whom i might agree on every single one of the substantive policies i detest him he's disgusting he's an ogre he's vulgar he's fat he's cantankerous so i think therein lies the problem it's the psychological weakness of people not being able to allocate the right cognitive resources to make the right decision what are your thoughts
5: Uh, I think you're uh, completely right. Uh, I have a friend. He's one of the three people at the CBC with a functioning brain. And it's very interesting to hear the stories he tells me of what goes on in there. Like, for example, they have instructions how to use the washroom now during covid. If you're in this, I can send you a picture of this. If you're in the stall and somebody walks in the washroom, there's instructions on the back door of the stall. If somebody walks in, you're not permitted to leave the stall until that other person leaves the washroom. Wow. That's that's the ridiculousness of these people, right? Um, So, yeah, I think there's uh, you would know more than anybody. People do not make decisions based on data or information. People make decisions based on their emotions. And my friend at the CBC, the reason I tell you that story I asked him once, I said, let me ask you about white privilege. Now, we all know Prime Minister Blackface identifies as African American. We know that. But he's actually white, so why does he get away with it? And he said, Oh, he's attractive. (laughs) What do you mean? He's attractive. If you're attractive, it's okay. You can be white and be attractive, that's fine. The minute you're not, then you know you're the scum of the earth. I said, Really? That's what you think? He said, Yeah. That is that's the nature of now. What's the cure? I don't know, but I have some ideas. I think, you know, I suggested to you once that I have hope because we're entering, I think, the golden age where the academics, the intelligent people in this world like yourself, Stephen Hicks, Jordan Peterson, Scott Adams uh, are building huge platforms. And what do you do? What are you guys doing? You're educating the regular person in disciplines they would never have access to so for the example of truckers like there's the reputation of the trucker that that's you know hardened not intellectual whatever some of those guys are quite bright oh yes they spend a lot of time in their trucks relaxing watching youtube and you know what they watch people like you and they're learning
3: and with that thought in mind consider not only the potential for learning online But the collective power of those online platforms, not so unlike our own, that have actually had enough influence to counter the fascist state narrative and result in an event like the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa and elsewhere. And as to the overarching question, is Justin Trudeau just a true dope? (laughs) Because if so it would be impossible to negotiate or even communicate with the likes of someone like that. He is simply too stupid and literally incapable of that kind of discussion. It certainly explains so much of his irrational behavior, doesn't it? And while I agree that people make decisions based on their emotions, I also recognize that emotions are predicated upon what one believes or knows to be so. Even though we're not conscious of the process, our emotions are the end consequence, not the cause of what we think. And that's an issue we've explored before, and no doubt will again, maybe as early as a week from today, when you are invited to join us as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then
5: to color and color into black and white under the bad clothes everything will be all
2: right I don't like this oh I do ever since I came to this planet I've had to obsess over what to wear and how much to eat and how to fix my hair but all of a sudden there's order again and all my decisions are made for me but we're losing our individuality why do you say that number 1258
3: <laughs>